Chapter Thirty One of the Queen of Appalachia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kolada. The Queen of Appalachia by Joe H. Borders. Chapter Thirty One. The Result of Thought Transference. It was late the following morning when Paul and Brownlee came down to breakfast, but their appearance told nothing of their recent plunge into dissipation. The average Appalachian would have stood in holy horror to know that the great teacher participated in the livery and festivities of the ballroom. No less astonished were May and Angelina when Paul jumped into the sport with such activity and abandonment. But these men of advanced ideas were not narrow-minded, and never once hesitated to enter into the joy of the dance. Paul wrote a couple of letters, and he and Brownlee wandered over to the post office, desiring to purchase some stamps. And while awaiting the pleasure of the red-headed postmistress, who was evidently not in a hurry to wait upon him, Paul fell to reading the list of uncalled-for letters. Which was posted on the side of the stamp window. Miss May Arnold said, "Paul, half aloud. Strange, she had not been to the post office. What am I thinking about? Remembering the assumed name, I will call for them." Procuring his stamps at last, he stopped at the delivery window and asked for letters addressed to Miss May Arnold. He obtained two, not without some difficulty. However, but he assured the clerk that the young lady in question was stopping at the Temples, and was well known to him. And armed with an excuse for an early call, the two started for the Temple residence. The young ladies were expecting them happily, and when May was given the Arnold letters, her face paled for a moment. Paul explained how he happened to ask for them, and May rapidly broke the seal. Mrs. Overton," she exclaimed. "I might have known." Scanning the short letter, "Oh, Paul, she is seriously ill with fever." What is the date of the letter, May? August, nearly a month. And the other one? I will see," she cried, trembling and calling to mind the morning when Mrs. Overton received the telegram. Last week," she exclaimed, hastily scanning the few lines. She is very bad and asked me to come. Paul told them he would go down and send a telegram and find out her condition, and hastily took his leave, returning inside of an hour with the information received. She was sinking rapidly. Tears filled May's eyes, and she asked if she ought to go to her. Wait until tomorrow, May," said Paul, "and I am confident she will be much better, and then you can decide." I must write to her at once. I telegraphed her in your name, dear," said Paul, "and she will answer by morning. And will write it herself," said Brownlee. Now you are all getting mysterious," spoke Angelina. "Tell me the contents of the telegram," said May. Letters just received have been out of town. I am with you today. So also is God. And neither will allow you to suffer. 
By morning, you will be able to travel, and I shall await a telegram announcing your coming to Quentin. With love, life, and happiness, May Arnold by Paul Thornton. Well done," said Bromley. "Give the matter no further thought, Miss Temple. Stand still and know that God is at this moment filling her mind with the love, life, and happiness spoken of in the telegram." Late that afternoon, Paul called at the telegraph office and received an answer from Mrs. Overton. Mrs. Overton greatly improved. Signed, Mother. Another arrived early the following morning. Fears gone. I'm happy. I'm coming, Overton. The following Sunday morning, the little church round the corner in Quentin was packed with an elegantly dressed audience. The term "elegantly dressed" is used advisedly, as may declare the people, especially the society portion of the congregation, were never so gaudily adorned. Every head was turned towards the door as the temples entered, evidently expecting them. And as they marched up the center aisle, two abreast, Mister and Missus Temple, Brownlee and Angelina, George Temple and Missus Overton, Paul and May. Arm in arm and quietly entered the temple pew. The silence was profound. Quentin was greatly honored by the visit of royalty, and gave evidence of their appreciation in every way possible. Mister Thornton, the millionaire, and Professor Brownlee, the great man of learning, shared in the golden opinions of generous Quentin. The little church had been decorated for this Sunday service. And the minister has spent several hours in preparing an extra sermon for the occasion. May knew all this and would not allow the minister nor the congregation to suffer disappointment. Paul and Brownlee were both ready with excuses, but the ladies vetoed all supplications and finally gained their point. After an anthem by the choir. The minister arose and, in a happy way, reminded the members that today was the time set to again take up the subject of the debt against their elegant little church building. He expressed himself as not feeling sorry because he faced a magnificent audience and everyone wore happy faces, and he hoped they also had full pocketbooks. We have reduced the indebtedness down to one hundred and twelve dollars," explained the little fat ministers. "And now, why the choir renders that good old hymn, 'Oh, for a heart to praise my God,' the baskets will be passed among you." The Lord loveth a cheerful giver," quoth he, and the song began. When the last verse has been sung, the announcement was made that the collection amounted to exactly twelve dollars. Bethren, I am disappointed, but thank the Lord we have again reduced our debt, which is now an even hundred dollars," said the minister. Paul rose quietly at the close of the minister's remarks, and the stillness was deathly. My brother. I confess I am not a religionist, and will frankly add that I do not look with favor upon church organizations, and yet I will acknowledge that they have done a power of good. They generally sow some seed in the good ground. The orthodox approach towards the great sun center, be that as it may, I am opposed to debt. I do not believe in borrowing or lending, 
and in view of the otherwise pleasant surroundings, I desire to wipe out the indebtedness on this building and will contribute the sum needed for that purpose. When he sat down, the church was filled with a buzzing sound. The echo of the whispering hundreds who were delighted at the contribution, but were visibly excited over the words uttered in making it. The minister was no doubt similarly affected, but he allowed the strange doctrines to go unchallenged, and in the name of the church, tender thanks for the unexpected and magnanimous gift. An hour later, when Quentin was discussing the billionaire. Our friends were seated in the drawing room of the Temple residence, planning for a trip to New York. End of chapter thirty-one. Recorded by Kualada.